is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Best of Mark Levin. Happy Thanksgiving. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Lots to cover tonight. Welcome. Um, my special with President Trump ran at 11 p.m. Eastern Time for obvious reasons. It will run at 8 p.m. next Sunday after Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving weekend at its regular time, 8 p.m. Eastern. There's actually two parts to the interview, and he really is quite fascinating as he goes through his presidency and so forth. And his book is fantastic, just beautiful, and you can get that at uh, 45, the number 45books.com, 45books.com. I don't even think it's on Amazon right now. I don't think any former president has been treated this way, but let's roll on here. Well, you saw the slaughter that took place at the Waukesha Parade, or at least you saw part of it in the discussion that, that followed, and, and now the suspect has been charged. We have a thoroughly, completely, and grotesquely racist media in this country, as I explained the other week and weeks prior. It is also anti-Semitic. It's also part of the American Marxist movement. It is a reflection of the Democrat Party, and the Democrat Party is a reflection of it. Our friend Daniel Horowitz at The Blaze, he says, Last Sunday night it appeared that the Waukesha attack would dominate the news cycle for the upcoming holiday week. After all, it's not every day that a man-man plows his car at full speed into a Christmas parade, killing five and injuring 40. Yet by the time I woke up this morning to search out information on the alleged attacker, I could barely find any mainstream media articles probing the background of the suspect. Now I know why. Daryl Edwards Brooks Jr. And by the way, if I were MSNBC or CNN or the New York Times, or the Washington Post, or any of the rest of the American Marxist Democrat Party propaganda media. 
and this man were white, that would be the lead story. Would it not, Mr. Producer? He's white. He's part of the deplorables. There's connections with Trump. Now, how do I know this? Because we all know this. What they did to Kyle Rittenhouse. White nationalist, militia. They're still attacking him. They're still attacking our jury system. It's unbelievable. But he goes on. Daryl Edward Brooks Jr., 39 of Milwaukee, was arrested Sunday night. And at the time this article published, is being held as a person of interest. He's the person of interest. In the attack where a red Ford escape can be seen plowing into the Christmas parade, an act that resulted in at least five fatalities. Brooks is a rapper who goes by Math Boy Fly on social media and had just posted on the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict prior to the attack. Well, we don't know if he was motivated by BLM or Antifa-related sentiments. We do know that he is a career criminal who was just released from jail on low bail. Now, this is a pattern. This is a big pattern. The three people shot by Rittenhouse were all felons at one point, and two of them violent felons. And so there's something terribly wrong with this bail that's taking place, with the failure of prosecutors, with the failure of judges, undermining law enforcement. According to court documents, Brooks was charged in Milwaukee on, nine, on uh, November 5 for resisting an officer, felony bail jumping, second-degree reckless endangering safety with domestic abuse assessments, and disorderly conduct and battery. It's all on the public record. Brooks was released last Friday, last Friday, on just $1,000 bail despite a prior rap sheet. Even if one believes that these crimes don't warrant his being held pre-trial on a higher bail threshold, the fact remains that he was charged with multiple crimes while already out on bail for other felonies. And if he still been in custody, five people not, might not be dead today. In July 2020, Brooks was charged with two felony uses of dangerous weapons and a possession of a gun as a felon, which is also a felony. And we're finding throughout the country that gun felons with prior violent records are being released on low bail or no bail. Brooks was released on February 2021 on just $500. Heavy.com obtained his full rap sheet from Wisconsin court records and found charges of uh, battery, gun misuse, strangulation and suffocation, and property destruction dating as far back as 1999. Also, someone with his name and year of birth and with a picture that matches Brooks' description is registered as a Tier 2 sex offender on the Sex Offender Registry in Nevada. There's a video online of Brooks discussing the incident in Nevada where he claims he didn't know the girl was 16 years old. On October 18, 2006, there was a deposition in Washoe County Court against a man with the same name for statutory sexual seduction. In June 2016, he was charged in the same court for failing to obey sex offender laws. His social media posts are replete with anti-police and black nationalist rhetoric. The tragedy is that a man with a history of violence and gun felonies is now accused of killing five people with a vehicle. This case demonstrates once again that guns don't kill career criminals who get undeterred and unpunished kill. As I noted, 
last week, aside from the culture of leniency that has permeated the justice system in all 50 states. The COVID shutdowns have caused such a backlog in the courts that high-level criminals are being released on low bail indefinitely with no court date in sight. This is a forgotten yet potent casualty of the lockdowns that will reverberate through our society for years to come. And we need more funding for prosecutors in courts, real prosecutors, aimed and targeting repeat violent offenders and for enforcing or strengthening three strikes and your outlaws. Whether the attack was motivated by anti-white or anti-police animus is yet to be seen. But the clear implication from this case is that there are likely thousands of violent criminals out on streets because of weak sentencing, pre-trial bail policies, and backlogs in the court, and I might add, illegal immigration. Any state legislature that fails to deal with this systemic problem during the upcoming 2022 legislative sessions will have blood on their hands for years to come. Unfortunately, there is never a clamor from the public to learn from the lessons of these attacks because they're frequently complete information blackouts from the media when the facts don't fit their narrative. Indeed, the Walshaw attack is likely to become the new Las Vegas shooting. And so you see the completely, fundamentally racist media cover certain stories one way and certain stories another way. And it is a disgusting disgrace. Disgusting disgrace. And when we come back, I'll prove my point. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin-Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin-Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin-Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Listening to the best of the Mark Levin Show. Happy Thanksgiving. You know, I watched a clip of Jalen Rose on the sideline at a basketball game, and he felt compelled to comment on this guy Blake, who was shot by the cops multiple times. First, he said Blake was killed. That was a lie. Blake was not killed. Blake had just abused and is accused of molesting. I believe it was his ex-wife. She called the police. Uh, He had multiple situations of domestic abuse. Um, He uh, ran out to the car. He wouldn't give up to the police. They tried to resolve this. They couldn't resolve it. He kept walking around the car. They told him to stop. He wouldn't stop. They tased him. That didn't stop him. 
So he reaches in the car. He has a knife. And this is the man we're talking about. This is what we're talking about. And Jalen Rose says he was killed. He was not killed. And of course, Jalen Rose comes to his defense. Michael Strahan gave him a uh, softball interview not too long ago. His uncle's at the Kyle Rittenhouse trial when the decision's made by the jury. Going on and on about what a racist country this is. That the Klan and neo-Nazis bailed him out. I believe it was uh, Blake's uncle, wasn't it, Mr. Producer? Nobody corrected Jalen Rose. I don't know if Jalen Rose has apologized since, but I want you to understand something, folks. Whether it's ESPN, that I believe is still owned by Disney, whether it's MSNBC, which is owned by Comcast, whether it's CNN, which is owned by AT&T, these massive corporations are giving voice, loud voice, to racists, to flat-out racists. And they are lighting the fuse for violence in this country in ways I've never seen in my life. Because the media are not free, they're tyrannical. Now first of all, just to remind you, about two minutes or so, of a tremendous speech that was given in 1963 at the feet of Abraham Lincoln, the foot of the Lincoln Memorial, by Martin Luther King. There were about a quarter million people or so there. Go ahead. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creeds. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream. My poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream. You know who doesn't agree with that? The scholars, the authors, the television hosts, the others who push critical race theory. Critical race theory specifically rejects a colorblind society. It insists on a color-based society. And so, Derek Bell one of the founding fathers of the movement in the 1970s, a Harvard Law School professor. He made it abundantly clear, we're not looking for a colorblind society. 
We're not looking for that at all. Everything associated with this society is poisoned by the white dominant influence in this society. The laws cannot possibly be just. The economic system cannot possibly be just. It is all here to serve the white man. And so that's why, as a Marxist, he believed the society must be overthrown. Started anew. A blank slate. Pure Marxism. And you hear this from Tiffany Cross on MSNBC Saturday, who's obviously looking for a weekly gig. She's seeing Joy Reid spreading her racist poison as before she spread her homophobic poison. And she's seeing Joy Reid get a primetime show on MSNBC, again owned by Comcast, where she spews her hate on a nightly basis. And she wants to climb the ladder over there at MSNBC too. And so Kyle... Rittenhouse is found innocent in a jury trial. Much the way Andrew Coffey was found not guilty on five counts, including murder and attempted murder. Who's Andrew Coffey? Andrew Coffey is an African American. He was found not guilty on all counts of murder and attempted first degree murder on Friday. He was accused of firing at Indian River County Sheriff's deputies during an early morning drug raid at his home back in 2017. His girlfriend, Alteria Woods, was caught in the crossfire, shot ten times. She died. Coffee was charged with the murder of Woods after a grand jury exonerated two law enforcement officers for her death. And before the case went to the jury's hands, Coffey st- took the stand to defend himself, blaming deputies for his girlfriend's death. The defense said Coffey was asleep and thought the, ba- the flashbang was gunfire, so he fired his gun because he thought he was under attack. Prosecutors said deputies did announce they were there. Coffey was found guilty on account of possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, which could have a penalty up to 30 years. He was also found not guilty in the murder of Woods. Now, what does all this mean? Well, I'll explain when I return. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. This is Mark Levin wishing you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. Now back to the best of me. The establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Five dead, 33 wounded in weekend shootings across Chicago. This is CBS2 Chicago. Five dead. At least 38 people were shot over the weekend in Chicago, and five of the victims have died. Of those shot, at least seven were under 18 years old. 
In one incident, two teen boys, 15 and 16, were shot while standing on a sidewalk in Fredwood neighbor, uh, neighborhood. The incident happened in the 10,000 block of South Parnell. At least six people have died from gun violence in the city as of Saturday night. In the fatal shooting of the weekend, a man was shot and killed and another was wounded in West Englewood. A 35-year-old man was found inside a residence with a gunshot wound to the hip. A 45-year-old man also found in a parked vehicle outside with gunshot wounds to the chest and head. The 35-year-old was transported by the Chicago Fire Department to Christ Hospital and was initially listed in good condition. Then the 45-year-old was transported to Advocate Christ Medical Center where he was pronounced dead. In another deadly incident, 22-year-old man was shot in the head Saturday afternoon in North Lawndale, according to authorities. The victim was standing on the corner when an unknown person walked up and shot him in the head. Police also said a 47-year-old man was shot in a drive-by around 2 p.m. Saturday as he stood on a sidewalk. He suffered a gunshot wound to the lower right abdomen. He was taken to Stroger Hospital and was pronounced dead. On Sunday, a 19-year-old man was shot in the head in the 6700 block of South Merrill Avenue in South Shore neighborhood. The victim was pronounced dead at the scene. A 14-year-old boy was killed in a shooting in the city's Roseland neighborhood Sunday. Police said he was near a sidewalk shortly after 5 p.m. when he was struck multiple times. He was pronounced dead on the scene. A 16-year-old boy suffered a gunshot wound to the leg in East Garfield Park Saturday afternoon. He was walking when he heard shots and felt pain. 34-year-old man was shot during a robbery early Saturday morning. The victim was outside when he was shot multiple times by an unidentified male offender who fled the scene. The victim sustained gun wounds to the head and three to the arm. A 27-year-old man suffered a gunshot wound to the back of the head in Roslyn neighborhood early Saturday morning. The victim was driving southbound on Michigan Avenue when he heard shots, felt pain, crashed into two parked cars. He's in critical condition. A man was shot following a verbal altercation early Saturday morning in the Belmont Heights neighborhood. Police said the 41-year-old victim suffered a gunshot wound to his groin following a verbal altercation with the offender. He's in good condition. A 20-year-old man was shot while driving in the Archer Heights neighborhood early Saturday morning. The victim was a passenger in a traveling vehicle when an unknown Hispanic man fired shots from a passing dark-colored Dodge Durango, striking the victim in the face. A 31-year-old man suffered a gunshot wound to the upper body in West Woodland neighborhood on Friday evening, around 7 p.m. He was standing outside when a dark-colored Nissan drove by and a fender fired shots, striking the victim. He's in critical condition. A 25-year-old man was shot in West Pullum neighborhood Friday evening. He was sitting in his residence when two unknown males approached the victim's residence and fired shots from the outside, striking him in the leg. A 17-year-old girl was shot while driving Friday evening in Englewood. She was driving a vehicle when she pulled up to a stoplight in a blue-colored sedan, pulled up alongside the victim's vehicle. An unknown offender from the sedan fired shots, striking her, wounding her in the upper back. 
Two teen boys were shot in the Ferdwood neighborhood Friday evening. Authorities said a 15-year-old, 16-year-old victims were on the sidewalk when they both sustained gunshot wounds on their left legs by an unknown offender. A, 50-year-old, a 58-year-old man was shot and wounded in Englewood Friday evening. Police said around 5.15, victims suffered shots to their right leg and shoulder. And a 27-year-old man was shot in Calumet, a Calumet Heights early Sunday morning. The man was a passenger in vehicle when shots were filed and the victim was struck. He's listed in critical condition. What do you think, Mr. Producer? Sounds like Afghanistan. Sounds like Iraq. I just provided you with more coverage of what took place in Chicago this weekend than any news organization, perhaps outside of Chicago. And these other news organizations are talking about white supremacists. They're talking about white justice. See, these phony advocates, these phony advocates dressed up as journalists, they're political hacks, they're ideological hacks. They don't spend a minute on what goes on this in the weekends in our inner cities. Not a minute. Not one minute. For, for one, they wouldn't get ratings. For two, it destroys the narrative. That we're all human beings. That we should have compassion for each other. That the issue isn't a systemically racist police force. Notice they don't talk about that anymore. Now it's about vigilanteism. So we had to defund or slash the budgets of systemically racist police forces, they call them. And now it's vigilanteism if you defend yourself. But all that's going on in this country, the thousands and thousands of murders, the overwhelming majority, which are black young men against black young men, get almost no attention. Particularly on CNN and MSNBC. Particularly by Joy Reid and Tiffany Cross and Al Sharpton. Not to mention... Joe Scarborough, Mika Brzezinski, and Fredo Cuomo, and all the rest. It's shocking. So what does Tiffany Cross, a nobody, a nobody, a host on MSNBC Saturday, what does she make of all this? While the mayhem and carnage is going on in the inner cities, what does she make of all this? Cut five, go. He wasn't the only lawmaker to make this point. Uh, Paul Gosar, whose own family doesn't like him, um, said that he wanted uh, Kyle as an intern. I I find these people disgusting, Ellie. I'm disgusted at what I'm seeing. It's not just this trial, it's other trials. But this in particular, the fact that white supremacists roam the halls of Congress freely and celebrate this little murderous white supremacist, and the fact that he gets to walk the streets freely, it lets you know these people have access to instituting uh, Ah, Shut up, you moron. You racist moron that's exactly what you are that is exactly what you are little white supremacist murderist little murderous white supremacist that is a perfect lawsuit perfect 
He was found not guilty in each case, and he's not a white supremacist. But it doesn't matter. What about Andrew Coffey? Is he a white supremacist? Is he a black nationalist? What is he? He's none of those things. I told you the media, the American media are racist. They embrace this critical race theory. Somebody like Tiffany Cross can get on the air and say the things that she says, knowing full well that her bosses at MSNBC and the overlords over there at Comcast are pleased with her. The corporate media is destroying our country with the reprobates, the miscreants, and the malcontents they hire. It's shocking. Ellie Mistel of The Nation, which is a radical left, I don't even know what they call it anymore, magazine, she was on the same show. They cherry-picked their guests for this very purpose. Cut six, go. The Honorable Prophet Ellie, you punctuate the point why none of us were surprised yesterday. That does not make the decision, however, any less outrageous. This happened because this is what the white justice system was designed to do. All right. This is not a miscarriage of justice. This is justice working as intended for white people. And the way you know that. Got is that? Because- Got that? These stereotypes, the broad strokes, the ad hominem attacks against the entire system, against judges, against juries, as racist for white people, is sickening. The case in Kenosha didn't involve anybody but white people. But it doesn't matter, because Ellie Mistel, Ellie Mistel, the Honorable Prophet, is he a prophet, Mr. Producer? The Honorable Prophet, or whomever, says so. The whole system is built for white people. Except for all the white people who are convicted, I guess. Go ahead. Reason why I was able to predict that was because of the judge. The judge. No, the, the reason t- you were able to predict it, moron, is because it was predictable by everybody that this was a political prosecution brought on by a mob, a mob in the media, a mob in the streets, a mob in the Democrat Party. Can you imagine? If this was the kind of mindset that was in charge of justice in this country, can you imagine? So how do Ellie Mistel and Tiffany Cross, two nobodies, I never heard of them before, they've done nothing for any community as far as I'm concerned, undermine this country with their propaganda and their hate, how do they explain Andrew Coffey? If the justice system is built for white people, how do they explain Andrew Coffey? They can't. How do they explain this man, multiple felon, since 1999, who gets out on bail for 500 bucks, and two days later is driving a red Ford SUV into a crowd of innocent human beings? The white justice system? How do they explain that? They don't, and they don't have to. Because they don't want to debate anybody. They don't want to be challenged. This is propaganda, pure and simple. 
It is hate. It is poison. It is bigotry. It's racism. And often it's anti-Semitism. That's what Comcast has brought us on MSNBC. That's what AT&T has brought us on CNN. It's that simple. That's what it is. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. of Mark Levin. Happy Thanksgiving. Seems like there's a lot of vigilantes in the streets of Chicago. Do we know their names? Have big media at MSNBC and NBC, Comcast, a big media at CNN and AT&T, a big media at the New York Slimes and the Washington Combos, Bezos operation, and on and on and on. Have they gone into the city of Chicago or Washington or Baltimore or any major city? to track down the perpetrators and their names, to inform the American people? Have they? Have they? Is that white justice? What is that? And why don't they do it? And why aren't these hosts on MSNBC concerned about it? They don't even talk about it. Christmas is like what? What's today? 34 days away. That's it. 34 days away. Thanksgiving... It's three days away. Order your copy of American Marxism immediately to get to family members as either a gift or to bring to Thanksgiving to have a good, solid, intelligent discussion. Maybe you'll persuade a few people, ask them to read it. And if you don't have time to send it to yourself and you're already away, well, that's the genius of the Internet. You can order the book and have it arrive or greet you at the location you're going to. I want to encourage you to go on Amazon.com or any major retail store as you're out there shopping. And please get your copies of American Marxism. This is a crucially important book. Those who have it, almost 1.2 million people. We have over 21,000 comments on Amazon. Five stars. You can even hear people on Fox and talk radio basically regurgitating some of what's in the book because they read it. And that's a good thing. That's a positive thing. Is it not? MSNBC, well, let me put it to you this way. CNN is dying altogether. They've now been acquired, and they're the boss of all bosses over there. The head of AT&T is flirting with the idea of changing its format back to a news format. What will all the reprobates, miscreants, and malcontents on CNN do? Well, maybe they'll join the Biden administration or the administration of uh, Chairman Xi over there in China. They have a lot in common. What about MSLSD? MSLSD, it's just a matter of time. When you have pukes on there who spew their hate and racism and their stupidity, it's tough to take. Speaking of which, when we come back, Joy Reid. Not to be ignored, of course. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. 
now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. You're listening to the best of the Mark Levin Show. Happy Thanksgiving. State of Wisconsin versus Kyle Rittenhouse. As to the first count of the information, Joseph Rosenbaum. We, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the second count of the information, Richard McGinnis. We, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the third count of the information, unknown male, we, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the fourth count of the information, Anthony Huber, we, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the fifth count of the information, Gage Grosskreutz, we, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. Members of the jury, are these your unanimous verdicts? Is there anyone who does not agree with the verdicts as read? No. Uh, Would you wish the jury pulled? No. Okay. Hi, I'm Mark Levin. Innocent on all counts. As we knew he would be. Because he is. Self-defense. Self-defense is codified in our law, but self-defense has existed even before the United States has existed. If you believe somebody's going to do serious bodily injury to you, even to the point of killing you, you have a right to injure them or kill them first. That's basic stuff. And in this trial, it wasn't even close. And all the facts didn't even, didn't even come up during the trial. Facts that would have helped Rittenhouse further. I did a monologue on life, liberty, and Levin last Sunday, and I've talked about it much here, and I've written an entire book on it, on freedom of the press. How corrupt the American media are. How they represent the American Marxist movements. And they have demonstrated through this trial, and through this day, and through this evening, just how despicable they truly are. And they are joined by multiple Democrats on Capitol Hill who do not believe in self-defense when it comes to you, be you black, white, brown, yellow, red, whatever. But when it comes to them, they have an entire police force, Capitol Hill police force. When it comes to them and January 6th, They believed they were threatened, even though not one of them was touched. A nonviolent protester was killed. They believed that was an insurrection. They believed that was the greatest crime against humanity. So when it comes to their persons, when it comes to their safety, they want private safety, publicly subsidized safety, their own police force, National Guard, whatever it takes. But when it comes to your safety, you don't even have a right to defend yourself while they're disarming, defunding, slashing the budgets of law enforcement. While their party is directing police officers 
to put down their weapons and not stand their ground, but back up in the face of Black Lives Matter, Antifa, rioters, and felons who are out to destroy society. Now, we really do need to make an assessment of the media in this country. If there is violence in any city, it is on the hands of MSNBC and CNN. Is it on the hands of those so-called reporters who've been tweeting? It's on the hands of Democrats in Congress. It's on the hands of Joe Biden, who made another stupid statement today, issued a stupid statement today, even though he said earlier today that he hadn't watched a trial. So his handlers, his puppeteers, who move his mouth and move his hands to sign things, they told you what they think. Because, you know, ladies and gentlemen, we've moved from systemic racism in the police force to systemic racism in society, particularly when it comes to white people. Now, this case had absolutely nothing to do with race. But there's Al Sharpton. There's Al Sharpton, an anti-Semite. There's Al Sharpton, who became infamous early in his life about lying about police, the Tawana Brawley case, the Crown Heights case. The guy works for MSNBC. Everybody wants to know what Al thinks, right? Or look, look at the sleaze that is the Scarboroughs. Look at it. They'll say anything for a buck. They need the job to subsidize their lifestyle. Just watch. Watch as the Democrats who defended the rioters, the violent rioters, all through two summers ago. Watch as they are angry to the point of promoting violence, encouraging violence. Because Kyle Rittenhouse was found innocent by a jury they don't believe in the jury system they don't believe in the system they're worse than the rioters they live off the fat of the earth and at the same time pretend they're some kind of revolutionaries the corrupt media in this country worse than the rioters the corrupt democrats in this country worse than the rioters truly unbelievable Judge Schroeder they've been smearing this man Judge did a fantastic job if you ask me a fantastic job the prosecutors in this case demonstrate an all too familiar pattern that they are willing to violate the United States Constitution the orders of a court And they're prepared to undermine justice in order to count another scalp and play to the mob. If the mob hadn't been rioting in Kenosha, none of this would have happened. None of it. But they were. 
Jacob Blake's uncle outside Kenosha Courthouse. Why do I care what he has to say about this case when the jury already spoke? Why is he getting attention from the media on this issue when it has really nothing to do about race? Had to do about three men who tried to kill a 17-year-old and a 17-year-old that chose not to be killed and fought back. You're not allowed to fight back. You're not allowed to have a weapon. You need to roll over as they defund or slash the police budgets in this country. As they order the police to stand down against the rioters. As the governor of Wisconsin refused President Trump's offer of National Guardsmen, as Pelosi did when it came to the Capitol building. Liz Cheney won't be looking into that because she's a fraud. Because the Cheneys and the Bushes and the Rhinos and all the rest seek the destruction of Trump. You know, I watched this Chris Christie. It's amazing. He's on Fox. He's on MSNBC. He's on CNN. He's on quasi-conservative radio. He's on liberal radio. This guy's a chameleon. A very fat chameleon, but nonetheless, he's a chameleon. And he's written a book, which will fail. Nobody's going to follow Chris Christie. Nobody. Chris Christie represents the old Republican Party, not the Reagan Republican Party, the old Republican Party. The party of the Cheneys and the Bushes. The party of the Romneys. The party of the McConnells. That's Chris Christie. And that's a loser. That's a losing prescription for this country. I don't know why certain hosts, colleagues or otherwise, feel the need to promote Christie because he's promoting a book. I don't know. But I circle back. I want you to listen when we come back to Chuck Todd, because if there's violence in the streets, and by the way, Kenosha is very quiet right now. If there's violence in the street, Chuck Todd. If there's violence in the street, Eugene Robinson. If there's violence in the street, Tali Farhadian. If there's violence in the street, Joyce Vance. These are the people, these are the mouthpieces all over the media, and they're not alone. And yes, Kyle Rittenhouse should uh, sue Joe Biden for millions. Because Joe Biden made it abundantly clear that he believed Kyle Rittenhouse was a white supremacist. And as a matter of fact, his ads demonstrated it because Trump wouldn't, wouldn't denounce him. Trump wouldn't denounce him. The Paula Jones case that the Supreme Court heard that I am more than familiar with, stands for the proposition that as a private citizen, things that you have said and done are still subject to civil litigation even if you become President of the United States. That's what the Supreme Court of the United States said. When Joe Biden smeared Kyle Rittenhouse, he was a mere citizen like the rest of us. No protection. Right, Joe, who refuses to protect the executive branch and Trump's rights under executive privilege? Well, guess what, pal? You have no executive privilege or executive anything. You're naked. You are naked in front of the law, 
Should Kyle Rittenhouse sue your sorry ass for smearing him for political reasons? And by the way, every single commentator, every single contributor, every single host who's been on cable TV or elsewhere was accused, Kyle Rittenhouse, of being a white supremacist, a domestic terrorist, and so many horrific lies told about him, asserting it as fact, you better get a good lawyer. Because if Kyle Rittenhouse wants to, he can sue your asses too for everything you have. And he will win. Is it a tough case? Typically it's a tough case. But if you call somebody a white supremacist and a domestic terrorist... And you have no evidence whatsoever? None. That's not a tough case, whether you're a public figure or not. I'll be right back. Lovin. This is Mark Levin wishing you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. Now back to the best of me. The insanity of the American Marxists whether they be in the media, whether they be in the streets, whether they be in academia, really never ends. I've heard some members of Congress, some in the Black Caucus, some not, saying things like, Kyle Rittenhouse was a white vigilante. It's a vigilante. You know, taking the place of the police for which he didn't have authority. Now, I just could have sworn that we were told the police are systemically racist. That they randomly and wantonly kill people, particularly minorities. But now, you see, we should rely on the police. Disarm yourself. Do not help your fellow man. Don't help the community in which your father lives and other relatives lives, in which... You've worked and held a job and so forth. No, 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 no. Leave it to the systemically white racist police forces that randomly kill minorities to protect the community? Or which is it? It's neither. The insanity of these people, these American Marxists, cannot be what we adopt and embrace. I'll take it one step further. You ready? You ready, Media Matters and Mediaite and real Americans who love this country? Kyle Rittenhouse is a quintessential red-blooded American. He went to this community, which is a neighboring community, which, as I say, he had relatives living there, friends there, he worked there. Somebody asked him to help protect his property. On the third night of rioting, He comes there with a fire extinguisher. He comes there with a Red Cross bag, basically, to help provide medical assistance. And he arms himself because he's smart, because he knows it's a riot situation where the mob has been hitting people, harming people, beating people, killing people. You know, that's been the nature of the mob all that summer long. 
And so he exercises his free will, he exercises his right to help the community. That's not a vigilante. What, you have to be in the Peace Corps? Is that it? One grotesque individual, a felon, who raped a little girl, chases him down and tries to kill him or harm him, but he's shot, and he's killed first. Another one chases him down, smacks him in the head with a, with a skateboard, and then in the neck, comes at him again, and he shoots him and kills him. And then the third one points a gun at his... Best of Mark Levin. Happy Thanksgiving. Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Folks, 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 being Friday and all, please don't forget to watch Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The full hour, President Donald Trump, the entire hour. I tell you the truth, I just finished doing that show with the president literally about 90 minutes ago. He was absolutely spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. And I think it's fair to say that he and I and Melania and he and my wife and I, we have a special relationship in the way that we talk to each other. They do not bother the president. They don't press for things and so forth. He had asked if I would consider coming down to Florida and speaking with him about this fantastic new book that they're putting out. And it is fantastic as a matter of fact. It's a significant book. It's got photographs of the four years of his presidency with comments under most of them, or certainly many of them, that he wrote. He chose the photos as well. And I know you're going to love this. And I know you're going to love the, the discussion. I do not interrupt him. I let him speak his mind. And you're going to see the Donald Trump that I see. Tact. He's not undermined. It's not accusations. Just let the man talk. Raise an issue, let him explain, and you're going to see how engaged, sharp, judicious words that you will not hear from his attackers, that he is. It really is. For me, it was very, very special. Not, not just to see him, but you're, I think you're going to see, because a couple people afterwards came up to me and said, wow, not because of me but because of the way I do interviews that allows the guest to think about subjects, to think about what they're going to say and make their statements. So I hope you'll check it out. It's not a typical interview with President Trump, Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You can always DVR it. Get your DVRs ready if you're going to be uh, occupied otherwise. This was what I was talking about. Joe Biden, August 27, 2020, cut four, go. The president uh, has not talked about the shooting of Mr. Blake. He's talked about uh, violence at protesters, uh, protests in the wake of it. Um, 
I'm wondering why you think that is that he hasn't actually addressed it. There's obviously. So here's an attack on Trump who has nothing to do with the Blake situation, nothing to do with the Rittenhouse situation. Joe Biden's running for president. It's August 2020. And the question is, I wonder why you think the president's doing this. I wonder why you think the president's doing that. Go ahead. Circumstances around it, but uh, the video obviously has been out there. Well, look, I don't know enough to know whether that 17-year-old kid, uh, exactly what he did. But allegedly, he's part of a militia coming out of the state of Illinois. He's not part of any militia and never was. He says allegedly. That's fine. Go ahead. Heard this president say one negative thing about white supremacists. Okay, white supremacists. Now, that's more than an implication. Why bring up that phrase if you don't believe Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist? You wouldn't. You wouldn't. Here's what I do know. Donald Trump never had any association with white supremacists. Joe Biden did. Openly so. And embrace them. And embrace them. Racists in the Senate. He did. Anyway, those are grounds for a very, very effective lawsuit. I want to go to Chuck Todd on MSNBC today. You all know that I despise this guy. Because he's a hack, Democrat, American Marxist, in journalist drag. And I remember I used to enjoy watching Meet the Press, even though I didn't always agree with the host. Whether it was Lawrence or Tim, but not Chuck. Chuck is a fraud. Listen to this. Cut five, go. And David, I think you, you said it well when you were talking about how the prosecution should have thought about basically doing everything they could to sort of take some of the politics out of their presentation, take some of the politics out of their charges. And I guess ultimately, what is this case revealing about us as a society? You know, is this a case of we've got a, a we obviously are divided on race. Our gun laws are, are, are very polarizing in this country as well. It is interesting to me that you're going to have folks on one side of the political aisle see this through the prism of race, and, and I think on the other side of the aisle claim they're seeing it through the prism of the Second Amendment. Why, why, why don't you stop? This was a self-defense case. You're the clowns that keep bringing up racism and gun control and everything else. And so there's pushback against your narrative. Because people like me, who love this country and believe in the Constitution, all of it, were well aware if there had been guilt found by the jury in any of those charges, you would have politically interpreted it as finally a jury standing up on race, or finally a jury standing up against the Second Amendment and so forth, because this is all you know. You're a political, not even animal, reptile. I guess that's an animal. Go ahead. I guess the question's going to be, you know, if you're an elected official in, in Wisconsin, what are you looking at? Are you looking at your gun laws? You're looking at your gun laws? Folks, there's a riot taking place. People are burning buildings. People are attacking. Many of them aren't using guns at all. They're using knives, skateboards, 
baseball bats, frozen bottles of water, hard-boiled eggs, hardballs, that is baseballs, sharp objects. They're using flagpoles, sharpening the edges, using them as spears. We saw that in Portland as well. You're going to look at your gun laws? Ladies and gentlemen, the jury system work? Ladies and gentlemen, the gun laws worked. The good guy lives. The bad guys, two died, one was injured. This is exactly how it should have turned out. And I'll say it again. Kyle Rittenhouse is a quintessential American, a red-blooded American, regardless of race, who came to that community to help out. He's not a vigilante. Just listen to these Democrats and these American Marxists trashing the cops over and over again. Systemically racist. That people are frightened of them. Then on the other hand, trashing a citizen who volunteers to help his fellow man. Unbelievable. How about this, Chuck? All three of these men who attacked Kyle Rittenhouse had long felony records. Long felony records. Why were they out of prison? Maybe Wisconsin needs to look at its criminal code. Maybe it needs to have tougher sentencing. I'm not even going to waste my time with David Henderson, who's a cherry-picked moron. But he's a former federal prosecutor. Who cares? Now, Jacob Blake's uncle's outside the Kenosha courthouse. Why? Here's what he has to say. Cut six, go. But when you have the, the guy who's presiding over the whole thing puts his hands on the scale and allows this young man literally to walk out, he gave him a pass. He didn't allow evidence. So the that. judge did it. The Democrat-appointed judge put his hands on the scale and let him walk out. I guess Jacob Blake's uncle isn't aware that there was actually a jury actually a jury that sat there day in and day out, hours at a time, had to go through all the minutia. No, 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 no. Jacob Blake's uncle knows the truth. Jacob Blake's uncle knows what justice is in the case of Kyle Rittenhouse. Jacob Blake's uncle is the media focus. Because Jacob Blake's uncle... Fills the narrative that the media are pushing. Go ahead. Somebody said they were going to kill somebody with an AR-15 30, 40 days ago, and they actually do it 40 days later? That's good evidence. If somebody's in or before that shows the Proud Boy sign, then goes into a bar at 17 adults. Is it good evidence if somebody has a knife? Is it good evidence if somebody used to beat up their significant other? Is that good evidence, too, that they're quite capable of killing another person? Is that good evidence, too? Is it good evidence that Jacobson was a violent felon, a rapist? Multiple counts of domestic violence? Huber, multiple counts of domestic violence? Is that good evidence, too? And what was the third one, whose name escapes me, and thank God it does, 
What was he doing illegally possessing a pistol? As it turns out, he was illegally possessing a pistol, whereas Rittenhouse was not illegally possessing an AR-15. What about that, Jacob Blake's uncle? Go ahead. You know his ideology. They talk about harming African-Americans. They talk about harming minorities. And He, he didn't talk about harming African-Americans or minorities. Why are you saying that, Jacob Blaine's uncle, about Kyle Rittenhouse? Why are you saying that? There was no evidence introduced saying such a thing. You know, Kyle Rittenhouse has a civil action against Jacob Blake's uncle. I don't think he'll do that, but he does. Because now they're out character assassinating the man. Go ahead. Now you tell us why he got a free ride. His bail money was raised by the Proud Boys, the Ku Klux Klan, uh, the Nazis, the skinheads. Are they plugged up in this courtroom? Do we know the history of this judge? His bail money was raised by the Ku Klux Klan, the neo-Nazis, and on and on and on. Do we know this judge? Was he on somebody's payroll too? Go ahead. Been racist as hell to these, these people in Kenosha for many years. Do we know his So the people of Kenosha have been racist as hell. The entire population of Kenosha has been racist as hell. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, everything that took place in the court of law doesn't matter to Jacob Blake's uncle. But Jacob Blake's uncle is just a mouthpiece for the American media that believe exactly the same thing. The rule of law, no. No. Go ahead. Well, that's it. Well, there you have it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Happy Thanksgiving. Tammy Baldwin, senator from Wisconsin, attacked this decision. She's a disgrace. She's a disgrace for attacking this decision. Absolutely appalling. If the House Democratic campaign folks saying this decision was disgusting. It was disgusting. You have media folks. I'm not going to play them all. Eugene Robinson of the Washington Post. I think he's on the Pulitzer Committee, by the way. On MSNBC today. To the extent that this legitimizes the line of thinking, action is very dangerous and worrisome. This is a divided country. Hair trigger on a lot of issues in a country where there are more guns than people. What did that have to do with what took place? I don't remember him being concerned about violence and more guns than people when the riots were taking place. They were mostly peaceful, right? Tali Farhadi and Weinstein, whatever, NBC News legal analyst, a dangerous combination, effectively, saying of self-defense laws and proliferation of guns. That's a uh, legal analyst? Joyce Vance, another MSNBC legal analyst, compares Kyle Rittenhouse to a bank robber shooting at people trying to stop the robbery. Why do they have to make Parallel arguments. Why do they have to argue in the alternative? We know exactly what took place here. And I want you to know, folks, 
It's no thanks to MSNBC and NBC, and it's no thanks to CBS and ABC. It's no thanks to the New York Times and the Washington Post. It's thanks to independent free press journalists, journalists like journalists at the founding of this country. The corporate press, listen to me, America's corporate press, these big corporations that own these newsrooms, are thoroughly and completely corrupt and dishonest. They are propagandists for the left. That's it. Case closed. If it wasn't for the independent free press, young people working for the Daily Call or the Daily Wire, working for Blaze, working for all themselves all over the place with video. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have this information. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't know the truth. Instead, we'd be getting propaganda from the likes of Chuck Todd. And so many others. Thank God for our new, free, independent press that work outside these social regimes of the New York, Washington, and L.A. corporate press. AT&T owns CNN. Comcast owns NBC and MSNBC. And on and on down the line. Thank God for these brave young men and women who put their lives on the line. Why in the world should you even believe the press on anything anymore? They covered up the Holocaust. They promoted Castro. They pushed the Russia collusion narrative, which was a lie from day one. They covered up the Hunter Biden scandal. They're covering up the Joe Biden scandal. They had joint bank accounts and so forth. These are disreputable, dishonest individuals, cloaked, cloaked, in roles as journalists. This is the corporate press. They are corrupt. Absolutely corrupt. As they sit silently and dare not comment on what China is doing to the Uyghurs. Lest they have their press passes pulled and can't go into that genocidal regime. That genocidal regime that is now poised to attack Taiwan after the Olympics. Unbelievable. All right, when we come back... What the Democrats in the House of Representatives are trying to do to this great country. Every single phony moderate voted for it. Except some clown in Maine because it didn't go far enough. Every single phony moderate voted for it. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. This is Mark Levin wishing you and your family a happy Thanksgiving, a back to the best of me. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. The case is now with the jury, the Rittenhouse case. Let's hope there's some justice left in this country. Let's hope. Tiffany Cross is on MSNBC. I never heard of her before. But uh, she's another person with a show on Saturday. Maybe that's why I've never heard of her before. But she is uh, aggressively, in my view, anti-white. 
And by white, I don't just mean people who have white pigmentation, whatever that means. Anti the existing American society and culture. In other words, these are people who hate the country, and Tiffany is among them. This is the kind of platform that Comcast gives to people. This is why the country is getting worse and worse in terms of division. The people of this country would get along just fine, but for the people who try and tear us to pieces. They're trying to now brainwash everybody into this attitude. Shocking. Shocking. And you know what I call it. I call it the, uh, the Louis Farrakhan model, which is embraced by Tiffany Cross and Michael Eric Dyson and uh, Cape Fear and all the rest. Regardless of their race, Joe Scarborough. But here's Tiffany Cross on MSLSD on Saturday. Cut one, go. Well, how can the industry be more welcoming? Because I have to tell you, I talked to a lot of truck drivers and uh, preparing for this segment. And um, most of these truck drivers are people of color. And they talked about, um, you know, hearing some of the racism um, over the CB. Um, you know, this is, again, an industry populated um, by a lot of white men over the age of 55. Um, this group of people overwhelmingly voted for Trump. Um, some people have talked about, you know, aggressive truck drivers uh, cutting them off or not being helpful. Who are um, these people? Why didn't you give us names and interview them on the record? You do know what videotape is, right, for television? She spoke to people, most of these truck drivers, people of color, in preparing her segment. Well, where did you talk to them? What truck stop? You know, there's a community of... Um, people in various professions, various areas of work, where race doesn't play a big role. It doesn't, and truck drivers is among them. They need each other. They help each other. They need each other and they help each other. And so Tiffany Cross is creating a narrative now. Go ahead, finish it up. Obviously, the more populated it is with people of color, I think you'll see less of that think you'll see less of that so we have black truck drivers being cut off by white truck drivers they hear white truck drivers talking over CBs do they still use CBs I guess they do I don't see them on sale very much anywhere but maybe they do I thought we had what we call iPhones nonetheless whatever And so, even trucking is racist, according to her. Now, she has no idea about trucking or truckers. She said uh, she talked to mostly black truck drivers in preparation for this segment. Again, I'd love to know who they were and where she did this. And why didn't she have a microphone and a camera with her? By the way, Jason Whitlock was on my show Sunday, did a fantastic job, as did Byron Donalds. And whenever I bring somebody on my program, they wind up everywhere. Have you noticed that, noticed that, Mr. Producer? And here we go, today. So this is Tiffany Cross. Can you imagine going to bed at night and waking up in the morning, and all you can think about is race and racism constantly? 
Tiffany, do you know that you work for a company that's called Comcast that's overwhelmingly white board of directors and the and the owners are white? Are you aware of this? Are you aware of this, Tiffany? Does that not repulse you? Hmm. And yet you're hired by them. How can that be? Because they think like you? Well, according to Jonathan Capehart, that doesn't matter. Just because you hire black people, just because they're, they're not, even if you marry them, you don't get absolution. Because we all know if you marry a person of another faith or another race, you're doing it because you want absolution. That's how sick these people are. That's how sick these people are. So Tiffany Gross, who talks like this, who thinks she's uh, Chris Matthews. Chris Matthews is gone now, and we know why, don't we, Chris? Wink, wink. Tiffany Cross, who talks like this, she's so smart because people think if you talk real fast, you're real, real smart. And there's Tiffany Cross on MSNBC Saturday. Nobody watching. Everybody's watching football. They're going out or they're doing something else. Tiffany Cross, I wonder what her ratings are. They can't be good. They must be bad. That means we're a racist society because she's not white. Right? No, she's an idiot. Absolute idiot. There's so many people who would be better at her job. There's so many people who could do better than almost every host on MSNBC and CNN. They have no talent. All they do is spew, constantly spew the hate and the racism while they're making a fortune on TV. Like somebody's stopping them. It's incredible. But that's Tiffany over there in MSNBC. Does, does MSNBC have any host who supports the country? Just one. Is there a single host on MSNBC who believes in America? Don't give me Joe Scarborough or his missus because they demonstrated a long time ago they will milk America for everything it's worth. They don't love America. Or how about NBC? Chuck Todd. Does Chuck Todd love America? No. He spews the same hate as the American Marxist movements do. Absolutely does. I don't find him to be a nice guy at all. But I met him in the green room. You know, he's really nice to me in the green room. I haven't met him. And that's all that matters, if somebody's really nice to me in the green room. Well, I haven't met him. He's got that weird haircut. Just keeps changing like he's four years old and mommy keeps cutting his hair, you know, with the scissors across the front. But Chuck Todd is not even an intelligent person. You know, they used to have Tim Russert. That guy was unbelievable. And before him, Joel Spivak. And then they purposely lower their standards. But I have a question, folks. Here's the anchor on Meet the Press, right? What's his race, Mr. Producer? White. They have their Sunday show on ABC. George Stefanow. What's his race? White. They have a Sunday show on CBS. Nobody watches it. What's his or her race? White. Isn't that amazing? Jeff uh, Motherzucker. What's his race? He's white. I can go right down the list. Let's look at AT and T. Board of Directors, CEO, white. What's that all about? The ownership of the New York Times. Always has been white. They're inbreds. Oh. Look at the Washington Post. Who's at the head of the Washington Post? A guy named Fred Ryan. White. 
White as white can be. Isn't that amazing? And yet Tiffany Cross is there talking about truck drivers. Truck drivers. She's met truck drivers, and most of them, she happens to know an industry populated by a lot of white men over the age of 55. We can't have that, America. No, no, no. And Tiffany, what have you done for your country? What have you done for anybody? What have you done for black people? Nothing. You're a loser. All you do is attack people. That's why you have no ratings. But that's also why you were hired by Comcast. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. This is the best of Mark Levin. Happy Thanksgiving. Well, it looks like Tiffany What's-Her-Face at MSLSD has infuriated truckers across the country because it always comes down to race with the race baiters and the racists. So if there's an issue with the supply chain, it must be white truck drivers cutting off black truck drivers, you see. Now, Tiffany, of course, doesn't know anything about the private sector, anything at all. But there she is. So let's go to some of the callers. Damon... In McAllister, Ohio, XM Satellite, how are you? Uh, Mark, it's a privilege talking to you. I'm in, uh, Mc- Mc- approaching McAllister, Oklahoma, actually about an hour away. Uh, what Tiffany is saying is untrue. I mean, uh, nobody, yeah, sure, people don't like truck drivers. The only people that like truck drivers are the little kids and homeless people. The little kids because you got a big horn and homeless people because you got a big sleeper. But, hey, I was at the pilot yesterday, and I seen a black truck driver that was having problems backing his truck into a, a tight spot. A white truck driver came out and helped him back his truck in. I've helped out truck drivers before, and I'll tell you what, if there's anybody that's mad at truck drivers, it's the shippers or the receivers. They're angry at everybody because when you back your truck in, they've got to do this thing called work. They have to start off the forklift and start unloading your truck. So, yeah, you're going to have that happen. Now, I'm third generation. My dad is minority. He had trouble back in his day. My grandfather, when he was driving, he had trouble back in his day. But things have changed, and truck drivers nowadays are more helping each other out than they would be against each other because we're in a, because nobody likes us. I mean, uh, shippers, receivers, cops, dispatchers. Yeah, we love you here. I've been talking about you guys for decades. And here's the thing. Tiffany doesn't know a damn thing about trucking or truck drivers. She said she spoke to truck drivers over the weekend or last week, mostly black truck drivers in preparation for her segment. Well, why wouldn't she have a microphone and a video camera there? Yeah, show me the tape. Let's see some tape. That's all I got to say, Mark. You have a great day. All right, buddy. Take care. Let's see. uh, J.H. Lavelle, Wisconsin, XM Satellite. How are you? Yeah, this is Peter in Lavelle, Wisconsin. Peter, okay. um, Yeah, yeah. um, Great to talk to you, Mark. Uh, Longtime fan of yours. Thank um, you. And conservative conservatism in a general sense of way. Hope my kids grow up to go to Hillsdale College. I have two cousins that went there. Yeah. And I think they're All right, only Tell me about trucking before we run out of time. Okay. Yep, sure. So, let me tell you something. I'm going to help out my trucker buddies. If I don't care if they're black, brown, white, yellow, speak English, don't speak English. I don't care. I don't care if they voted for Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the fact of the matter is, is we're all out here. We bust our butts every day. We're trying to move stuff along. And you know what? Then we got some jerk like Joe Biden that thinks that we can afford 
four to five dollar a gallon diesel and and then laughs at us because you know hey it hurts us it hurts everybody it hurts mm-hmm. it hurts. oh no no you don't understand uh on uh, msnbc today what was her name rule mr producer stephanie rule listen to what she has to say about inflation okay go ahead Nobody knows exactly when they're going down, but you have to put all this in perspective. This inflation is not in isolation, and the government predicted it was going to be a challenging recovery, recovery all tied to COVID. So it's why you see things like that expanded child tax credit. You've got the families of over 60 million kids on average getting $430 a month for people on fixed incomes, older people on Social Security. They're getting those fixed payments adjusted next year of 5.9% for inflation. And the dirty little secret here, Willie, while nobody likes to pay more, on average, we have the money to do so. All right, there you go. This woman is so out of touch. She's so out of touch. She knows nothing about any. It's like this Tiffany. She's talking about truck drivers. She doesn't know truck drivers, black, white, or in between. This clown rule, she doesn't know what people are going through. She's stuck in her little office near Wall Street in New York or wherever the hell it is, uh, across the river, I guess, in New Jersey. She doesn't, she doesn't get out there and see how people are struggling or anything. Go, what about you, Mark? I'm out all the time. All the time. I want nothing to do with the kind of social circles these people keep. It's an amazing thing. But uh, she says, what's your problem? What's your problem? You know, uh, uh, it's just the way it is, Peter. Uh, you know, you can afford it. It's not that bad. Yeah, all right. Thank you for your call, my friend. Let's go to John, Pensacola, Florida, XM Satellite, wide awake, trucker as well. Go right ahead, John. Uh, Mark, thank you very much. You're a hell of a patriot, and I think thank I speak you. for all of us truckers. Thank you for everything you do. And thank I've you, got guys a and gals. Tiffany. Um, I was an instructor for 10 years. I've been driving for almost 40. Um there's a multitude of different backgrounds out here of Cuban, black, white, yellow, green, and we have none of this. Wait a minute. John, are you telling me trucking is more diverse than the boardroom at Comcast and NBC and MSNBC? Very much so. And I'm an, I was an instructor for 10 years. We have different backgrounds of employers that have been out there, doctors, lawyers that have been tired of doing those professions. They've gone into trucking. Uh, different multitudes of races, religions, and let me tell you something. We all stick together out here. And Tiffany, if she wants to stir up a bunch of hornets, she has done it. Mm-hmm. Because us truckers out here, we have our own way of doing things. We stick together, but there is nothing racist or one-sided about anything. We help each other out here every way that we can. And that's a message for She's Tiffany. She's a fool. She doesn't know a damn thing. Thanks, thanks, John. Let's go to another John Crescent, California XM Satellite, a Hispanic truck driver. How are you, John? Mark. Yes, sir. Honor to talk with you. Thank I'm you. I'm a Hispanic truck driver from Crescent City, California. We're up in the Redwoods. And this lady has never been to a truck stop. And just like the previous caller, there's all kinds of nationalities out here driving. And... Um, I've had white guys, older white guys, when I first started out, help me backing into tight situations. You know, I didn't ask them. They came up and offered their help. That's how it is out here, just like that guy John said. Um, she doesn't know what she's talking about. 
there's so many different. I was in school with Somalians and Nigerians and uh, Native Americans, and uh, it's just it's very diverse out here. John, here's the thing. Americans get along with Americans for the most part. They really do. I mean, do you go to work thinking there's a black guy, a white guy? And no, you just you, you just get along. You're an American. You're red blooded. This is our great country, and we want the place to work. We want to provide for our families. We want we want to live in safe communities. This is what we all want. But this is what I meant last night on Fox. This is what I mean today. The media hate the country. The media want to divide us. The media have us at each other's throats. They give a platform to the most radical, extreme nut jobs in the country, in our universities, and they are now among them. And the Democrat Party, the Democrat Party cannot advance its own power structure unless it is turning American against American over race, over wealth, over age, over sex and gender, over anything it can. It is a destructive, hateful party and ideology it just is and you know what's interesting john more and more people are realizing that from white suburbs to hispanic border towns uh to black inner cities i think more and more people are realizing now that the democrat party is out for the democrat party john thank you john before john thank you sir and i'll be right back listening to the best of the Mark Levin Show. Happy Thanksgiving. Liberty's Voice. Mark Levin. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. Nicole Hannah-Jones tweets over at the Federalist. They picked it up. Sean Fleetwood, New, New York Magazine writer and founder of the 1619 Project. Nicole Hannah-Jones took to Twitter this week to offer a historically illiterate take on why the United States bombed Hiroshima during World War II. And, of course, she was promoted by the New York Times, her 1619 project, promoted by the New York Times. Historical scholars from every walk of life came out and said, she doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. But it doesn't matter, you see. In a now-deleted November 6th tweet, Jones attempted to argue that the only reason the United States dropped an atomic bomb on the Japanese city was due to financial reasons. All you World War II vets, listen to this. She said, they dropped the bomb, they, I guess, meaning her country, America, when they knew surrender was coming because they'd spent all this money developing it and to prove it was worth it, she wrote. Propaganda is not history, my friend. Now, that is unbelievable. She is a complete idiot. She is a complete idiot. The first bomb was dropped, and then the second bomb was dropped because Japan refused to accept unconditional surrender. And that's what Harry Truman insisted on. She, she is a historical illiterate, but she can push her pablum, her hate for this country, and there's not... A single corrupt media platform that wouldn't love to have her. Jones has since tried to backtrack on the statement, saying that apparently we are at a time in my career where a tweet response with 100 likes is worthy of all kinds of explication and condemnations five days after I wrote it, even after I've deleted it. But sure, okay, you're an idiot. That's why. Pathetic. 
And so people are educating her. That's why they responded to her. The historically inaccurate tweet came in a series of comments from the 1619 founder who said she felt ashamed while visiting the Hiroshima Peace Memorial Museum in Japan. Feeling ashamed of shameful things is not bad. It's called being an empathetic and moral human being. Yes, but being an idiot is called being an idiot. Shame helps us do better. When I visited the Hiroshima Peace Memorial Museum about the impact of the U.S. atomic bomb, as an American, I felt shame. Oh, my God. Jones later continued saying, as a black American, I knew the same government that bombed Japan was also actively segregating black Americans and tacitly condoning racial terrorism and fascism in the U.S. South. And so even though my people were not responsible as an American and a human, I felt shame. How is this bad? The desire for so many Americans to be free of collective shame, collective atonement, and collective responsibility. By the way, that comes right out of Marx. That comes out of the teaching in our colleges and universities. Those of you who've read American Marxism, this is what they always talk about. Collective psychology, uh, collective values, collective shame. She doesn't know anything on her own. She regurgitates the crap she's read by these phony tenured professors and scholars. Shameful legacy of centuries of slavery, racism, apartheid, and terroristic violence visited upon fellow citizens is the sign of an immature and selfish culture, added Hannah Jones, whose 1619 project was awarded a Pulitzer Prize. That's all right. They're not worth crap anymore. Despite needing a major correction and being criticized of revisionist history by top historians. And contrary to Jones's historical revisionism in her, treat, in her uh, tweet, The United States only dropped the bomb on Hiroshima after the Japanese government's continued refusal to surrender. As noted by the History Channel, the Allies issued the Potsdam Declaration demanding the unconditional surrender of all the Japanese armed forces, while also warning that failure to comply would mean the inevitable and complete destruction of the Japanese armed forces, and just as inevitable, the other devastation of the Japanese homeland. Only after Prime Minister Karantaro Zuso responded by telling the press that Japan was paying no attention to the given ultimatum did Harry Truman decide to drop the first atomic bomb on Hiroshima on August 6, 1945. Even after that, leaving roughly 80,000 people dead, Japan's Supreme War Council refused to surrender to the Allies. It's only after a second bomb was dropped on the city of Nagasaki that the Japanese government began negotiations of surrender with the United States and the rest of the Allied powers. Well, you do know, uh, do you not, uh, Hannah Jones? More people died in the Civil War than died by the dropping of those two atomic bombs. Are you ashamed of the Civil War, too? I'm just curious. Are you ashamed of the Civil War, too? That a war was fought to keep the country united and to end slavery. You know, this is typical of the Marxist CRT left. It just is. We defeated a uh, fascist regime under the Emperor of Japan and Tojo. A vicious regime. Ask the Communist Chinese what the Japanese did to the Chinese. Ask the Koreans what the Japanese did to the Chinese. Ask my grandfather, who's now deceased, unfortunately, what they did to Americans who they captured on Iwo Jima. This woman knows nothing. Nothing. She's a clown. She's a fool. 
and she's promoted by the same clowns and fools at the New York Times and elsewhere who lie to us each and every damn day. It is absolutely shocking. She's ashamed. Who gives a damn what she's ashamed of? Honest to God. Who cares? She's ashamed of the United States? Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Let's take some calls here. Let us go to uh, Sebastian, Hazel, Texas, on the Mark Levin app. Sebastian, how are you, sir? I'm well, Mr. Mark Levin. Mark, I'm just disturbed at what I heard um, that, that is being mentioned about white white drivers um, purposely causing a, um, a supply chain crisis to affect black families. I mean, I have white friends in the trucking industry that I went to school with, and many of them are former service members, um, veterans, who served in the military and who came into trucking, and they actually looking to go into trucking to serve the country, to bring food to the table, and just to keep the country moving. You have people who got master's degrees in education who joined trucking for the same reason that they love the country and they want to see the country move. And I just, I just find this thing to be an insensitive comment to make. It's so bigoted, and it's just completely outrageous and so out of touch with what you, you actually see on the ground as a truck driver. Many of these truck drivers would like to drive 800 to 1,000 miles a day if it wasn't for all these federal regulations. Yep. So this idea that they would purposely... They would purposely want to, you know, um, stop, you know, do a supply chain crisis to affect black families. It's just just completely outrageous. So you're a black trucker, is that right? Yes, Mark. Do you find white truckers purposely cutting you off? God, no. I mean, mean, they come up with these these cockamamie arguments. Who who even thinks like this? I mean, it's unbelievable. Oh. They're so secular in their thinking, Mark, but I'm, I'm glad that you're exposing this stuff because I'm glad I called because this is ridiculous. And I just wanted to just let people know that are out there that this is not the reality. It, it is a big family. We all look out for each other. And, and you know, you have white drivers help out, helping out blacks and you have black truck drivers helping out whites. You know, it's all camaraderie. We don't see race. And it's just ridiculous that these people in the media are just talking nonsense. It, it, it's so sick. I, I keep saying Americans pretty much get along with Americans if the politicians and the media would just leave us the hell alone. But they won't, because because this gets ratings, because this makes them feel self-righteous, because for Democrats, they believe this is how they get elected, turning one race against another, one ethnicity, one income group against another. We're free Americans. Do whatever the hell you want to do. But the media are completely out of control. Thank you for your call, Sebastian. God bless you, man. Let's slip. Well, no, we'll come right back. Mark Lovin. This is Mark Levin wishing you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. Now back to the best of me. I'm going to tell you something. MSLSD, Tiffany. Tiffany, I don't know how many Tiffany's drive trucks or have ever been in a truck stop, but what do I know? Boy, she pissed off the truckers across America. I'm telling you right now, and people over this Japanese issue. Let us continue. Ivan. Atlanta, Georgia, XM Satellite. Ivan, how are you, sir? Hey, Mark. How's it going? Um, I just have, I have to say thank you for letting me on tonight. Um, And I also want to say that I feel so fortunate and so glad that I can hear people I can relate to with our current issues in this country. I'm actually a Hispanic gay male. And let me tell you that 
I'm two minorities, and there's no way that, like, especially the gay community, they always talk about how um, Trump this, Trump that, and they always want to bash him and this and the other. And let me tell you, this is all BS stuff, literally. And the Latino community, um, they're being fed lies, too, by Telemundo and Univision. Um, everybody knows that, though, but a lot, of the, a lot of the Hispanic community is waking up. I know my parents, they're in their early 60s, and they always talk about it, and they always say, yeah, this, this administration is really messing up this whole American dream, um, the dream that we, we had foreseen, you know, when we were back in our homelands, we thought that coming to this country was going to be the best thing for us. And, you know, and I thank my parents for what they did for us because they got in line. They did everything through immigration. Um, we came here legally and we did everything we had to do. And now we have this crisis and it's just like, come on now, get in line, you know, do what we did. It's, it's just this whole country is is burning to the ground and we hate to see that because we came here with nothing but hope and dreams and mm-hmm. we've achieved so so many things in in our lifetimes but it's just so sad everything going on and but I'm happy to hear that people are waking up in in both sides of my community now, let me you know ask what I mean you a, let me ask you a question Ivan being either pro Trump or fairly conservative and gay and a Hispanic particularly in the gay community, can be tough, right? It's very, yes. It's like I have no friends. Well, what, what did the left ever do for the gay community other than give them, uh, you know, talking points? I feel like nothing. They're, Remember when Obama was running in 2008, he was asked about gay marriage? He said he opposed it. Exactly. And Joe Biden said the same thing. I mean, it just doesn't add up to me. And then I, I blatantly show people um, all the, the, you know, how obvious, I mean, the, the evidence. I mean, you can YouTube this. It's all over the Internet. Anybody can watch these videos. And how are they not paying attention to those things? And yet they're, I just, it just, it's crazy to me that people just want to go out and shout Biden, 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 when he's been a politician for so long and has done nothing And let me ask you this. Joy Reid. Joy Reid had some of the most poisonous, uh, anti-gay tweets years ago. Not ultra many years ago, but years ago. And she blamed it on hackers who came into our system. And nobody could ever find these hackers because she's a liar. And so she used to, and it wasn't just the gay community, other minority communities too. But she's okay. She's got absolution, you know. And so she can get on there now on MSNBC, say pretty much whatever she wants to say. The left gets away with this stuff. They do. And, you know, I run a small business, and a lot of my clients that come and see me, I'm a hairstylist, by the way, but a lot of my clients that come see me, they're all, you know, minorities. But I always try to very, like, tactically and slowly kind of push in and tell them what's going on and to try to wake them up. Because everything that's going on, I mean, they just have to wake up and, and see um, everything for what it is. Um, and I feel like I try not to discuss too much politics in my business. Yeah, you'll lose I business. Try to, exactly. And I try to, but I do try to, to acknowledge some things, to tell them, hey, you know, inflation is bad right now. Have you noticed? Um, you know, it's just, you know, at the top. And I try to make it very passive. Uh, Let me ask you a question before I run out of time. You're a hairstylist? 
Yes, sir. What do you do for Very a bald guy like me? <laughs> what do you do for me? You basically hey, have to I cut have, the hair um, short, hair right? <laughs> I have hair systems I can put on, man. <laughs> no, no, I don't want fake hair. There's nothing you can do, really. And you know what? I don't care. My wife loves me. That's good enough for me. <laughs> All right, Ivan. You're Thank a great you, guy. I appreciate it. Call again. Appreciate it. Let's continue, shall we? Let's see. Uh, Jim Jacksonville. You got these th- this right. All right. Jacksonville, Arkansas. Hello, Mark. The great K-A-R-N. Jim, how are you? Hello, Mark. Yes, sir. If, if uh, Hannah Jones was embarrassed when she visited Hiroshima, how would she feel if she visited the Arizona Memorial in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii? I don't think that's on her list of places to visit, do you? No, I, I, I guess she not. She should go there. She might want to check out, you know, the different military uh, uh, the different military cemeteries. I wonder if she's ever been to a Civil War battlefield. You know, these people are such frauds. Absolute right. fraud. Right. Has she been to any concentration camps, you think, in Europe? I'm just wondering. Uh, she probably uh, skipped those. Mm-hmm. How do you wake up every day in this magnificent country and just hate it and look for ways to hate it, look for, t- for ways to tell other people to hate it? I don't understand it. Thank you, my friend.